Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Hungry Diner Show. I am your host, Michael Teasdale, known as the Hungry Diner. There's nothing off limits on this podcast. We go deep behind the scenes in the hospitality world, discussing the industry, the current state of the industry, and ultimate eateries, suppliers and products, and the incredible people behind it all. I'm going to have a range of guests on this podcast series that are moving the hospitality needle in a positive direction from restaurateurs, entertainers, entrepreneurs, marketers, influencers, chef, producers, critics, and much more. Today, I'm very lucky to be speaking with Jay Phantom, the host of the podcast series, The Storybox Podcast. Jay's podcast attracts inspiring stories from people from all over the world. He's a filmmaker, writer, podcast producer, and a very impressive young human being. On today's episode with myself and Jay, we turn the tables on the man that usually asks all the questions, and I get to know, and you get to know, Jay as a person. We talk about his upbringing. The gentleman has had three near-death experiences. We talk about that. We also talk about the why his podcast exists and how he inspired me to start The Hungry Diner Show. Without further delay, here he is, Jay Phantom. Alrighty, Jay, I want to thank you for being the very first guest on The Hungry Diner Show. Hello, buddy. Hello, mate. Absolute pleasure to be here, man. And really looking forward to, I guess, being in the hot seat and turning it around because normally I'm the one that's asking the questions, eh? <laughs> exactly. And as you can see from my shameless promotion this morning, when I was riding around Brookvale Oval trying to get the blood flowing before uh, before this, I um, I was uh, I was kind of reflecting on how I'm sitting here right now. And I have to thank you because it was quite funny because as you and I know, we had a podcast. I was on your show a few weeks ago, and yep. what, what's quite interesting is that the like people don't say this when they're a guest on a podcast, or but they do a bit of research on the show, what kind of message they're trying to get across, what they want to say. And the day before, I had written pages and pages of notes about what I want to share about Hungry Diner as the business, what's the message I'm getting across, what I, 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 me, me, me. Um, And then the next day I was like putting like, you know, putting down different quotes and books I'd read. And what was funny is as soon as I came, actually before you started recording, we had a bit of a chat and Mm. you kind of got me in this, in this state. And it was so funny that literally all of those notes, I did not use one single line of those notes. <laughs> Seriously, man, that's awesome. Yeah, like well it, done. It just flew and because of you it went so organic and it ended up being the kind of the and people obviously hear when the episode is released like uh, the message that 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 and the story that I told was so almost like uh, I don't want to sound too kind of cheesy it was so it just took a lot of weight off me and it was um very healing for me so mate, I've got to thank you and 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 what it has done for me is it's inspired me to start my own podcast here we are today with all the gear um so yep. I want to say thank you mate and it's only um only fair and deserving that I have you on today and let listeners hear about the man that asked all the questions. <laughs> wow. I, I appreciate that, man. It's really humbling to actually hear that said from someone like yourself that actually has a much greater platform than what I do as well. You know, when when you reached out to me and it was 
I was like, okay, who is this guy as well? So I did my research into, cause I don't just bring any yeah. odd person on, you know, there has to be a reason why I'm bringing them on. And sometimes you don't, you don't even know and yeah. you just sort of unpack it as you go along. Yeah. But I just felt like there was something there. I didn't yeah. know exactly what it was, Me but either. it's interesting how, dude, like it's interesting how you actually had all these notes and I didn't even know you had these notes. Yeah. So, I mean, like that was, that's good for me to hear because like we both just had that organic connection while we we're talking, which is what I, what I endeavor to do each and every time is just have a conversation with people and yeah. just be real, yeah. not be stale or not be, or just be as organic as you possibly can be because people resonate a lot with that. And I think when you're open enough to, to share what you've actually been through, people also appreciate that as well. So man, I'm an open book, ask away. And I'm really looking forward to, to being on this show and I guess sharing my journey. Good man. Well, I guess before we start, um, I'm going to do what we call the hungry diner icebreaker. So, Let's do it. um, yeah, it's up to you. You've got either a hard icebreaker, a moderate, or an easy one. So it's your call. Depends on what it is. Hey, depends on what it is. Depends on what, depends on what hard is. <laughs> so I look. Obviously, there's there's things that I want um, the guests and listeners to come on. And being the first episode, you know, you and I might have a little bit of to and fro. It might be a little bit scattered here as a host, but I can only get better. But. With the icebreaker, these questions, obviously this is a hospitality-related podcast. You being on the guest today, I want to learn more about you because you're the inspiration which started this kind of um, this voice and we'll get to the hospitality stuff later. But um, these are hospitality-related questions, so don't be too uh, too nervous. So what are we going? Let's do it. We're going hard, moderate, or easy for Jay Phantom? Oh, let's, let's go hard. Got to go hard or Chase go hard. home, right? <laughs> <laughs> do you even? Okay. Do you um, even go hard? That's it. That's what so, she said. Right. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> exactly. All right, buddy. So, to. Jay Phantom, here we go. Okay, your hard, hard, hungry diner icebreaker question. If you could have dinner at your house with any three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Number one, Steven Spielberg. That's Definitely. Far. Huge fan of Steven wow. Spielberg. I would say Tony Robbins as well, another big fan of his work. And I just feel like the kinetic energy for that man would be electric. And I thought, I think I'd be also intimidated by what I cook <laughs> as well. Um, and then also I'd have Gordon Ramsay. So Gordon Ramsay has been a huge inspiration for me in terms of being able to cook certain foods in my own life. And I feel like that would be like, it'd be like, Kitchen nightmares almost. <laughs> I love that you put a uh, hospitality-related answer in there, buddy. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> smart, <laughs> smart man. Um, awesome, mate. Tony Robbins, Steven Spielberg. Why Steven Spielberg? Because I'm a history nerd. Uh, right. I mean, film film history nerd. Sorry, my dog's barking. That's all right. Hi, Alita. Sorry about that, She's man. welcome. So anyway. I, I would say I've, I've been a, a, a passionate film lover ever since I was eight years old. Wow. And Steven Spielberg was one of the first directors I really connected with in terms of the way he told stories and how he showed that on the big screen. Mm. And I remember just watching Indiana Jones very early on, falling in love with the way he told that story, the the characters in there, the the adventure side of things, the drama, the the sheer excitement, all those things just connected me with 
who this man actually was. And I felt like I needed to research into this man and find out who he actually is. And I sort of growing up, I used to think that I was him a little bit and I was making some of the same sort of aspirations, style, inspirational type of um, movies. Wow. So he was, he was one person that I look up to. He's actually on my list of people that I, I want to actually interview before. Um, yeah, before, unfortunately, it's like everyone, everyone dies one day, but I want to yeah, yeah. get into that, that older stage of life. I mean, he's still going yeah. a million miles an hour, but I just want to actually sit down with him and, and ask him awesome. some tough questions. <laughs> awesome, mate. And like speaking of like interviewing people, like I guess for those that don't know about your podcast, the Storybox podcast, um, anyone doesn't know, feel free to check out his episodes on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe. Um, can you tell the listeners about your podcast? So the story box, you want me to go as far back as how it actually originated? Well, let's talk about the actual podcast in terms of what, like just what, what, what it does. We'll, we'll go into the what, I guess the what and the why and the how. Um, but for someone that's never listened to it and is going to click over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts now, like what, what, are, they, what are they looking at? What are they going to get? So the story box is a way for people to listen to inspirational, challenging, motivating, educating, and encouraging stories from people all around the world. So it's not just people in Sydney, Australia. It's not just people in, say, hospitality. It's people all over unique walks of life and experiences. And and what I like doing is getting to the heart of their why mm. and why and how they actually get got to where they they are today. Getting some, getting really unboxing and unpacking what they've been through in their life to help you guys essentially help myself too, to yeah. learn to grow as individuals, as in a relationship as well. Yeah. Just to really to help you, because I believe 100% solely that stories are incredibly powerful and they can change lives for the better. I feel like we're in such a, a negative society at the moment. All you need to do is turn on the news and oh, it's, it's all around us. Sorry? It's depressing. It's super depressing, man. Like you can you can hardly get a break, you know, and I feel like for myself and what I want to put out there in the world is positivity, is that this message that you can do something and I use that through not only my story but other people's stories, even your story, Mick, how we yeah. were able to share a deeper side of you that probably not many people know about. You know, those things, they, they inspire people. You know, they, they move people to do things that are far beyond what they actually thought was possible, you know? Yeah. So that's really, that's really the, the idea behind the story box. And it's, it's gradually, I guess, evolved over time as well to what it originally was. See, what I love about what you said there, and um, firstly, two things. Number one, like it helps you learn as an individual, Jay, but it helps others. And they can take sound bites, a story, maybe a tip, some advice, definition of success. Like, I love that structure of yours, but you also said you find out people's why. And that is mm. really important to me. Um, you know, a, a great book um, by Simon Sinek, it starts with why. Everyone can tell you what they do and how they do it, but very few can say what's the why. And that's that mm. part of the the golden circle. And you didn't even talk about the how and the what when I asked you 
what story box like the how is like you buy the gear uh what you do is you record podcasts and the why we do it like it's 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 really good and i think um mates like it's it's just it's you're doing so well and you've had such great success and i really want to get to know um uh it, kind of your backstory for a second but i guess um with your podcast um sticking to that for a second like tell me some of the some of the guests you've had on like give us some of the some of the um you know uh, guests you're proud of or just any that you can remember honestly man like i've had such a variety of guests which has been incredible for me to to learn but in terms of the how I mean, I guess my why outweighs the how because no one really knows how to actually start a, a podcast essentially because it is hard work. You yeah. know, it's a, it's a lot more than what people actually see than just listening to a podcast. There's all kinds of things behind it. But going back to your question about the kinds of guests that I've had on there and which ones have sort of challenged and inspired me, it's hard to sort of break down which which guests that, I've resonated with the most because there's been quite a few, but if I was yeah. to pick out one particular person and I'm not like saying that no one else um, has, has done this, just but, give it to us. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, it's been horse Schultz. So horse Schultz, I don't know if you guys know, but he's the founder of the Ritz Carlton hotel chain, which is the world's biggest and most successful hotel franchise or, or chain, I should say in the world, wow. which, I've read his book, Excellence Wins, and a little bit about my backstory is sure. when I, when I um, 14 years old, I had this, quote, mentor that tried to teach me this uh, principle of excellence and what it actually is and what it looks like, and I sort of uh, rebelled against that in many different ways. I didn't like the way he taught me it, but I always came back to this I guess, principle that he was trying to teach me in the first place, which was excellence. I kept asking myself the question, why? Why is excellence so important? And how am I actually going to implement that in my life? So you can have the, you can have the why, but then you've got to implement the how. So yeah, how sure. am I going yeah. to, what are the steps involved with actually being an excellent human being? And I guess for me, speaking with Horsch and hearing his story, where he came from, you know, and what he actually wanted to be growing up, it resonated with me. Mm. And hearing how he described what excellence is, you define excellence in every single facet of your life. So me doing the podcast, for example, that's an excellent thing extending out of me because I 100% I'm putting in energy and emotion and everything hard work yeah. and if i'm not excellent in that then it's going to be worth zero to first and foremost my overall health and being and for the listener they're going to notice it okay this is half cocked this is half-hearted yeah. it's not excellent and the idea of excellence is being 100 percent in on something regardless of whatever else is going on and the value of being excellent as well is that people it's it's contagious. People see it and they want to be part of it and they want to know how they can implement it in their own life as well. So I, I adopted this um, mentality back in, I think it was, I think it was, I had an experience um, in 2017 where I sort of woke up to the fact that I needed to be more excellent in my life. I was sort of coasting a little bit. 
mm. just walking through life um, coast to coast as you do. And I needed this, I needed to change. And this idea of excellence never really occurred to me that much until it just, it snapped. It was like this, I kid you not, Mick, it was like this realization moment. Okay, well, wow. why do I want to be excellent? You know, and, and that sort of uh, generated the process of, of me working on myself and, and this attitude of excellence as well. So yeah. hopefully that answers your question. That, mate, that's a good answer. Can, like, I, by the way, on the, on the anchor thing where I put this podcast on, I clicked explicit. So when I say like, fuck Jay, you can explain yourself well, can you share with the audience how old you are? I'm 23 at the moment. Mate, it's it's just the way you um, describe and talk about things is it's, it's so sincere. Like, for example, when you ask every podcast guest that comes on your episode, you say, what's your definition of success? Now, there's two streams of thought that any guest can have being given the heads up that we're going to ask you this or you've asked previous guests. So what's my answer going to be? Answer one, what will be really good for the listeners to hear? Answer two, what's the truth? So I think it's um, really important that when people give their information on these kind of platforms, they really uh, try hard to work on their energy of controlling what they want to do with this energy and how they want to describe what their definition of success is, not what they think the listeners will go, oh, wow, that person's really smart or really successful or copied or, or maybe adjusted the quote from this book or that show or that YouTube video. Mm -hmm. So, but you do it very, very naturally. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful to have you on here for this first episode. Um, I'm going to skip past all the questions about plugging your podcast because you do enough of it on your own. <laughs> and I'm going to do it post, post podcast. But, um, Jay, man, like usually the, the guy that asks all the questions, you like, where did it all start? For the podcast or for my actual life? Yeah. Like you, you want to go way back or do you want to go just like me starting the podcast? Because they're both two massive stories. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Look, um, I, 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 I would prefer to know about you as an individual. Um, things like, you know, maybe where it all started for you, challenges you faced, um, any, any stories or any of your history, things that people don't know about you. So they can understand like you sitting here with your podcast show, having all these successful guests, being a motivated 23 year old, you had to have been through some stuff. You had to have had some learns, some wins. And I'm curious about that. If you're okay with that. Oh, definitely, man. More than happy to share my story. I haven't actually shared the fullback story. Um, that's coming in my book, actually. So, yes, I'm working on a book wow. uh, about my life and, and all that sort of stuff. But that not even the book has everything um, in it. So, you know, I, I have been through a lot, like you, you, you mentioned, um, but that's all taught me and, and shown me the kind of person that I can become and I should become. Mm. And I guess it started like, okay, I was born into um, not a wealthy family. They were quite, you, you could say, lower class uh, family. But my parents always worked really, really damn hard. You know, they, my dad had to work two jobs just to put food on the table for us. And I always saw this, uh, this determination and this, this struggle as well combined. You know, there was this, I guess, determination to put food on the table and so we could survive. But then there was also this challenge of, okay, are we going to survive, you know? Um, how hard do I need to work to actually provide for the family? And, you know, I had two brothers, one older and one younger, and I'm the middle child. I'm, I'm the favorite child, you could say. Um, <laughs> I'm the eldest, so I wouldn't know. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, man, it was, it was always like growing up, we were always content. We always had what we needed. We always saw, um, you know, my parents just being the greatest parents you could possibly imagine, you know, just loving. And, you know, at, at times my mom would be quite controlling, but that was because she didn't want us to go a certain way. And she sort of try to guide us in, in things that really mattered. And I was also brought up in, in a Christian household, which sort of helps with my, my values and, and my, my beliefs as well. And being able to, to see that and, and to go to people that sort of know a lot more about faith and, and uh, value systems as well, then I was able to go to them and ask some questions. I was always a very curious kid. Um, always had a lot of questions that you could ask anyone that I was growing up. I was always this energetic um, kid wanting to know why, why, how, how do I do this? Why do, you know, all, all those things that um, race through my head. My brain would go a million miles an hour a lot of the time and some people thought I had ADHD because I was like this unruly kind of kid. Wow. Um, but then, you know, I remember when I was eight years old, um, something happened that really changed my life forever. You know, it really got me focused and it really um, sort of directed my path a lot right, right. Uh, into who I, who I was meant to become in, in school and outside of school and, and to this day even. And it was basically, I was in, in my grandfather's garage. We were both working on something. Um, trying to, he was trying to build something with me with some wood. And, and unfortunately, I was not given the gift of being able to build anything with my hands. Um, I was I able the to same, get the logic. That same gift. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible, man. I kid you not. But my grandfather was patient. He was wise. He was, he was kind, generous, and very smart man. He was a very determined man, hardworking as well. So I saw that not only from my parents, but from my grandfather as well. So he was about to change my life and I didn't even know it yet. So we're, we're in this uh, garage and, and I was getting impatient. All I wanted to do was sit on the couch, drink pub squash and, and watch Cartoon Network. I was uh, that kind of kid, you know. I loved to relax and if, if I was over at my grandparents' place, it was about relaxing and um, not really spending that much time. It was more about my parents, you know, talking to, the, the, to my, my grandparents. But for me, uh, we had some good moments and, and this was one of them, you know. I'm, I'm in there with him and... And I said, Grandy, why can't we, why can't we just do this tomorrow? And he stops me right there and he, he looks at me directly in the face and in the eyes and he's like, Jared, don't put off for tomorrow what can be done today. He said, that's laziness. He said, right. that if, you, if you're going to be lazy, you're going to get nowhere in life. And he said it so sternly, so directly at me, it shook me up. It shook me right to the core. I kid you not. And I was just like, damn, okay, okay, Grandy, I, okay, fair enough. And that saying stuck with me in my head. Till now. Throughout, up until now, and wow. I, still, I still remember that, that one particular moment with him. I was eight years old. Yeah. Um, I just remember being eight years old. I don't remember what day, month it was. I just remember being eight. There was a period where that time I was never asked from then on to do a, any homework, an assignment. I was always getting it done well in advance. Without being Everyone asked. Right. Without being asked, man, everyone thought I was nuts because why, why would you get it done? But I always went back to that saying of, you know, well, if I can get this done, 
two weeks or three weeks in advance and still do an excellent job. Mm. See, my grandfather also told me after that, he said, you got to be, you got to do it well. See, if you're going to do a job, you do it well. And if you also do a job, give you 110%. Don't just give 100%, give 110%. doesn't matter how hard you yeah. go because my grandfather and, and seeing this and hearing this as well, at, at my age, or I think it was 24, he did a three-year managerial course in three months. He suffered a heart attack as a result. Now, I don't re- recommend people do this, but the principle of striving for something that you want yeah. and not procrastinating because procrastination is ultimately a form of laziness. Yeah. And I, I resonated with that from a very early age and I trusted my grandy and it's never steered me wrong, Mick. Wow. Never. Wow. Wow. I think like I, I, I can tell you a time I had a black belt in procrastination. Um, there's always, there's, <laughs> there's always an idea in your mind that goes that, that that's okay to not to do that now. That's fine. And uh, it sets us back. And um, I can't believe it's like little things from when you're like eight years old. It, mm. It's funny the little things that you remember, but you could struggle to remember something that happened last week. It's um, 100%. yeah. Those defining moments. Um, mate, that that's awesome. And I guess uh, Tell, tell me about, I guess, going through your, your teenage years through there. Like, um, you know, what was, I guess, uh, did you play sport? What was your kind of interest? Like, where were you there? So, yes, I was a, a very athletic uh, individual and I used to play cricket a lot growing up as yeah. well. We used to do a lot of running. I was more, more or less a sprinter. Now that's changed into a more of a long distance runner. But I was very energetic, very much loved cricket. Um, and then more or less towards my later teenage years, the age of 14, in order for me to fit in in school, you know, I played basketball and starting a new sport altogether. I had no idea how to actually play the game, but I had these Filipino mates that sort of, uh, one, one in particular, he wasn't the best, but he taught me the rules and all, that all, that's all I needed, you know, because this hard work mentality, if, if I could outwork everybody, there's no such thing as talent, you know, like I just outwork and out hustle everybody. And that's what sort of people started to see. I didn't make the uh, year nine basketball team. I mean, I was put on the bench and that really affected me. I was just like, I want to be on the court. I want to be playing. Mm. And so I, what I would do is every afternoon I would go home and finish all the things I needed to get done and just go down to the local basketball court and just shoot hoops and, my, my game was, I'm only 5'7", and back then I was probably like 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, I wasn't that tall, and I wasn't that big either. But I just had this drive and tenacity, you, you could call it, to get the rebound no matter what. Mm. And I would fight. I would, I would um, just push and shove and put my body on the line each and every time to get the rebound. They, they gave me a nickname eventually, which was the garbage collector. So <laughs> I used to just yeah pick up all the trash really and, and put it back. And, and that's how we, we won some games. We lost some games. I hated losing. It was the yeah. worst sort of feeling. But surprisingly, man, it wasn't actually basketball that I was the best at. And I found that interesting. Okay. And what are we talking? The sport that I was actually the best at, funny enough, was volleyball. Interesting. And yeah, and I actually went super far with volleyball, further than I actually did with basketball in mm. school. And I remember my coach, he was a quadriplegic. So, he, I mean, he had the wow. artificial legs and things like that. And um, 
He was also my science teacher. Now I wasn't great at science, but I was better at sport. <laughs> so he still <laughs> so liked you. <laughs> he, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right, man. So I, I struggled a lot in, in science class and, and then my teacher would always say to me, don't worry, guys, he's better on the volleyball court than he is in the classroom. And I'd be just like, ouch. <laughs> Blowing up Bunsen burners. <laughs> yeah, far out, the stupid Bunsen burners. But anyway, it was more, more or less like he saw something in me that nobody else did. Mm. And that was, I was, people had told me this all the time. He's like, that person, it's not, it's not to be proud or anything, but that person is one day going to be a leader. Yeah. And I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. You know, I just thought, you know, well, a leader is someone famous, like a uh, leader is a politician or a leader is like the president or yeah. someone very high up and famous. But no, no, a leader is, is you. You are a leader of your own life. You are a leader of um, your family. You are a leader. You can be a leader. You can either be a good one or a bad one. Andrew Scipioni taught me that. Yeah. You know, so I had to make a decision whether or not I was going to be a good leader on the volleyball court and even outside of the volleyball court. So for me, Mick, like um, I remember when I was chosen, there was tryouts and because of my incredible leaping ability, he, he was just like, okay, you're going to be the setter. And the setter's job is to set up every single other person on, this, on, on, your, on, on your team and to make sure that the ball goes in the right position, it's a very important job. Otherwise, if you don't get the ball in the right position, they're not going to be able to score points. And I was just like, okay, that's a huge task. I'll do it. I'm just keen. Let's do it. And I didn't actually practice that much, Mick. Like yeah. I never was – I didn't have that same drive that I had with basketball. And, you know, yeah. I think back today that if I had have had that same drive, who knows? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who knows what would have happened because I ended up going to – state level uh, volleyball. We had this massive competition. They yeah. had these tryouts for these four volley uh, setters and ended up losing against a Frenchman. I won't hold that against him, but if I had, a, <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. I had, a, you know, trained and was more disciplined in volleyball, I never know what could have happened, but yeah. I knew that, yeah. you know, there was a plan and a purpose 100% for my life at that time. And even though I didn't go too far with volleyball or even basketball, I ended up, you know, just enjoying my time in, in high school, made a lot of friends as a yeah. result and, and still kept up with my, my athletic ability even, even after school. And I remember I had this, real quickly, I had this one desire, which was to dunk the basketball. Yeah. And because of my, my height, uh, it was a real struggle for me to actually dunk the ball. And mm. I remember – Speaking to my my basketball coach one day, he's just like, "You're never gonna do it, Jared. You're, you're too short." Yeah. Like, thanks, thanks, coach. <laughs> Great motivation. But then he there. said, to me, "I know, I know exactly. That's what that's the way I took it." He's like, "Reverse, reverse psychology. You're never gonna be able to do something." But he knew that if he told me that, he knew I would go and do, do it. it anyway. Just a so that's what I did. <laughs> wow. Sorry, man. I said just to spite him. Yeah. <laughs> just, just uh, I, I love my coach you know he was an amazing man he was also my my math teacher another one which I disappointed severely in the classroom <laughs> but on on the basketball court you know I, I did uh the best that I possibly could you know and I remember the day that I actually dunked and mm. it was the best feeling ever what year were you, you, know, you in? Was, what year was that it was 2016, man, 2016. I had just left school a year after, so he didn't actually get to see me dunk. 
but I remember it was in a basketball game, a church versus another church, and I during the practice run, I just went up for it, man, and I just boom, the leap, slam, and I was just like, I wish I had got that on film. Wow, you know, but I had I had a an audience watching me, and I was just like, far out, you know, like that's something else. All the hard work that took me to actually get to this point, and then it all changed, you know, it all. It all went downhill after that. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm. Um, firstly, I played basketball all the way through high school, and my goal was to get to the Hills Hornets. Um, yep. And I was too busy chasing girls, so that didn't happen. But in terms of um, dunking, I know exactly what you mean in terms of a goal because I, I could always get up there. I'm like, I was just under six foot in year 10. So I could always get up there and touch the ring, but getting the ball in would never be a thing. So I actually did one of those jumping programs um, mm. that are slow and monotonous and take time and gave up. And it was just around, I think, end of year 11, I was able to, I actually dunked it and I was by myself down in Carlingford at, Carl, at Carlingford High School in their courts and there was no one around to see it. <laughs> but it was oh, okay. It was okay. Yeah, but it, it, you, don't, you don't need the audience, man. At least you you know for yourself. Yeah. That's powerful, man. You were able yeah, to buddy. do that for yourself. So I never did the jumping program, by the way. <laughs> it's monotonous. It's like it takes a lot of time, a lot of different uh, exercises and drills. It's to build up the calf muscles, to build up your muscles, to build that spring. Um, it takes a lot of time. Um, so, so mate, like we've talked about, obviously, you know, you you were a lot at a, a, a younger age. You know, the family kind of dynamic that you had, the inspiration you've got from your grandfather, kind of going through more of a um, active sporting career through high school, um, and then you just said something there where it kind of went downhill or I think that was your term. Um, I want to talk about some really like, I guess the tough, tough parts you've been through. I want to, I want to understand what you've been through there. Are you, are you cool to talk about this? Of course, man. Like I said, I'm an open book. So love it. This is a, you know, it's hard to really think back on it, but you know, I've been through, three near-death experiences in my life. Three. Um, one when I was, three of them. So one when I was two years old and one when I was 14 and more recently in 2018. So all what those experiences do to you is it gives you, like if you're able to remember back to it, like two years too young to actually really remember it, but yeah. age 14 and, and quite earlier, it gives you a new perspective on life and what you value the most. So... I was born with, you know, a lot of different health issues. So right. my kidneys, um, scar tissue on my left kidney, kidney reflux. So my kidneys are damaged when I was born. And then I uh, was hospitalized at age two with um, salmonella food poisoning and they couldn't, the doctors couldn't actually find a vein in any part of my body uh, to put fluids in. So I was severely dehydrated. Now, if you know, if, you're, if your kidneys are dehydrated, it messes up your your function and like having damage at an early age affects you later on so i had damage from that experience and i also i thank god they actually found a, a one small little vein in, in my big big toe in between my big toe wow which saved my life um but then after that i think i was i was very young and had this unexplained period of time in hospital i think i was about a week in hospital where I had this acute stomach pain. I couldn't, couldn't explain. The doctors didn't know what it was. 
I was in utter agony. And, you know, when I was in hospital, I saw all the young kids that were in there that were a lot worse off than what I was. And it just changed my, my perspective on, you know, well, I should be grateful for what I have, you know, not what I don't have. And this idea of gratitude, you know, and that's something I've struggled with all my life, man. You know, the question of why is this happening to me has always come up in my life because I've been through absolute living hell. And after that experience, you know, that's just one. Then my kidneys uh, had an issue with that. My creatinine was above 120 at one point, which a normal creatinine level is meant to be 99 or 80. So mine had, had skyrocketed and the doctors couldn't explain why that happened. And I was leaking protein in, in my, my urine and uh, sorry for that picture guys, but it, was, it wasn't a good uh, position for me to be in. I was quite young at the time as well. So I had to do a, a biopsy of my kidney, which is quite painful. Wow. I was peeing blood after it and, you know, I was still really young, but being once again in that hospital ward and seeing all the young kids, you know, that have nephritis or, you know, they're they're on their way to potentially not surviving. I was on the way to surviving and potentially thriving. They weren't, you know, and it's that, it's just that seeing that from a very young age, it just makes you more appreciative once again of what you actually have. And then after that, I ended up uh, almost dying from a burst appendix. So, and that's another story in of itself. So, the doctors didn't actually want to operate on me. So they didn't want to remove it. If it wasn't for my mum, no, they didn't. They didn't think that I actually had an appendicitis because I have a very high pain threshold. Right. So I had a I had a burst appendix. It was mainly um, at, on the operating table at burst. So uh, my appendix was nearing the rupturing stage. And like, if you ever been through a burst appendix, my mum will describe it a lot worse as going through three childbirths. So it's 10 times worse than that. Yeah. And I had a straight face. I was, you know, the doctor told me to get up, jump on one leg and You're kidding. do all these crazy. I'm not, I'm not joking. Yeah. My dad was about to kill the doctor. Uh, he was, he was seeing how much pain his son was in, Yeah, but I didn't really show it that much. And this was the registered doctor. He was a trainee. And then they had to get, it was actually a nurse and my mum yelling and screaming at the head doctor that something's not right here. You need to operate on Jared. Um, he, otherwise something is bad is going to happen. And sure enough, it was just pride, you know, of, of the doctors thinking that they knew best and ego. And when uh, they actually operate on me, like I said, I was about the, the appendix burst on the table. So and during the operation, during the operation, man, the appendix, boom. And they ended up showing me in a tube. It's so tiny, but it made like all this pus was around the appendix. And I was just like, if they didn't operate on me an hour later, I probably would have been dead. That's, here. that's crazy. Yeah. Like, I had my appendix out three years ago and um, I just remember having dinner with my wife. I was living on the central coast at the time and I went to bed and I'm like, I'm pretty sure like whatever she cooked was off. Like I just had this sick feeling. And then I, I kind of like, tossed and turned all night going oh god how long is this gonna last the next morning i went mm. to the gp down the street he touched me in a certain place and goes go straight to hospital went straight into anesthetic went straight into thing and mine was obviously removed 
It's just, it's funny how some GPs at the moment think or doctors think they know what's best. They don't really know what's going yeah. on or your history. So, mate, you, you're very lucky there. You're very lucky. Like I was, I was blessed and fortunate to be able to survive that ordeal. And I thank my mum for, you know, being yeah. persistent with the doctors. And then we ended up doing a report after that, but it didn't really go too well. You know, doctors protect their own and yeah, yeah right. it didn't, but that, that's beside the point, you know, like even after that experience, I uh, went back to being a normal kid, you know, it's just like you, you brush it over and yeah. you have a renewed kind of perspective on, on life, but no one really knows that, you know, like you, you change a little bit, but mm. no one, I guess they care for a moment, but it's like a fleeting moment, you know, it, it doesn't really last. Um, and then after that, I guess it was in year 11 and 12 or bit after that I suffered from anxiety attacks and because yeah. uh, exams weren't that great and I remember having the ambulance called to the, the school three to four times because I thought I was suffering from a heart attack but oh. really it was just an anxiety attack yeah, yeah. So they're the real uh, ones my, that have, my yeah. heart was, yeah and that's where I actually found that my heart is abnormally large and it skips a beat every every second so what that really means is I've got to maintain and, and watch my heart to make sure that it's healthy and it doesn't have any like um, issues or uh, swelling ar- around the heart or anything like that because it could I- impact and, and damage it, um, you know, and, and with the kidney things as well. So I can't drink, you know, I've got to watch my protein intake, which is why I'm not a huge bodybuilder or anything like that. So I've got to still be very mindful and careful of all those things, but it doesn't stop me from enjoying life. And that's what I really want to, say you know life is what you make of it and if you make the most of life if you are positive and you do the best things that you can use as 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 energy and you know you can um, just be happy and create this sense of joy like joy is is it within you it's a state of being it's not a not just a state of mind you know happiness is fleeting it's yeah, it, it's ever so like it's quick. Like I can be happy right now, but joy it's lifelong if you choose it to be. And you know, I'll tell you another another little bit about me as Go well. Go ahead, mate. Go ahead. Um, the third the third near death experience was was 2018, and I think I've shared this on my Instagram uh, video. But it's basically um, I was in a period of life where I was content, I was happy, I wasn't growing wasn't really moving forward. I was in a relationship at the moment where at that time when I sort of uh, made made my own vision of what the future was going to be like. So I put all my my energy and focus into, into that and nothing else. And um, it was like I went over and above for this relationship and it basically what, ha- what ended up happening was November 2018, I was working as well and just did too much. It's funny because my mom said this to me the other night. She's like, every time you go over and above for something, you get an unnormal and unusual sickness. <laughs> Your body just just decides to shut itself down. And that's when, you know, I woke up one morning and I uh, had this massive, I guess, headache, but I brushed it off, you know, high pain tolerance, went for a run, did my exercises, got back and my whole body was aching. and um, Eventually, you know, mum gets home, I'm passed out, you know, I'm in a lot of agony and end up in hospital that night. 
and the doctor was like, you have the potential, you had the, all the um, uh, signs of meningitis. There's, for those of you who don't know, there's type A and there's type B. So type A is bacterial, which is the deadly one where you can lose limbs and die and all that sort of stuff. Type B, which is viral, which is still deadly. It can turn into type A if you're not careful and if it's not treated correctly. But with type B, it's sort of you need a lot of rest, something that I'm not very good at doing is resting. <laughs> I um, so I did not like hearing that read or said out to me, you know, like you got to rest, Jay. And anyway, um, the only way to really diagnose if you have meningitis or not is a lumbar puncture when they stick a massive needle about that long in your spinal cord to drain your spinal fluid. Fun fact for you guys, it looks like silver mercury. It's quite cool. Wow. And the and, length that Jay just showed me was pretty much the length of his forearm. Uh, yeah. yeah. So not pleasant. It's, it's long. It's, very, it's a very long needle and you're awake for it as well. They, they give you a, an anesthetic in another needle, but it only goes about a quarter of a way in. So the rest of it, you feel every single uh, pull, push, everything. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm lying there. I took me about four hours to actually decide whether or not I was going to go through this um, ordeal. I, I was stubborn. I just like, nah, stuff it. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But if I didn't do it, then I probably wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Doctor's like, if you go home today, you've got all the signs of meningitis. It could potentially turn into type A and you can, you can either lose a limb or die. So yeah. you can make the decision now to figure it out. But even the, the lumbar puncture has complications. So there's 50, 50% chance that you're either going to live and we're going to find out what it actually is or the other 50% chances will paralyze you or worse, we can actually uh, get a major um, artery or, or nerve in, in your spine and cause brain damage or kill you. And I was just like, okay, well, never tell me the odds. You just did. <laughs> uh, that's not going to help my decision. But I, I ended up having it and, and thank God I, I survived it. But, you know, being in complete and utter darkness for four days does something to you. You can't see. Mm. You're, it's pitch black and you're just alone with your thoughts. Mm. And I don't know how else to explain this to, to people. If, you, if you're not blind or if you can't actually see, I encourage people to just close their eyes and shut them for about an hour. See how long it can last. But see, see what you actually focus on in that moment because I guarantee you it's going to be life-changing. You know, people that meditate and all that sort of stuff, this was completely different. You know, it was this unreal experience where I just thought about all the things that, I was doing and could be doing that I wasn't doing, you know, and I sort of made a decision in the hospital bed that I was going to change. You know, it took time for me to change, but I, I, I changed eventually. Mm. And, um, you know, I didn't have, I had the support of my, my parents and my friends and family at that time, you know, but it was hard. It was hard to actually move forward from that ordeal and actually rest and you know like moving moving from that you know it was i ended up you know getting a job in in real estate we sort of started everything else um happening but you know that that sort of experience i think 
you know, all the ch- all the challenges have helped define who I am today. I think like um like and firstly, man, um, Jay, thank you so much for for sharing this. Like it's 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 so easy to be known as the podcast host, the positive guy on Instagram. You know, like to, to have that, and it's, I can't wait for the for the book to come out. Um, I'll definitely um, share that on all my channels as well. Um, but a few things like you know, obviously adversity and how you deal with adversity, and as you said before, the like, why me? Like, you th- I remember thinking when things got really tough for me, and I talked about some of that on, on your episode, on your podcast, I used to think things like, there's all these criminals out there doing these ungodly things, yet I'm the one that has to go through this. Like, what have I done? And then secondly, yeah. like, when you meet someone, even if it's for a brief moment, like, they don't know your, they don't know your backstory. They don't know that you may be smiling there and then, and, you know, you may be really polite, but that that came from, like, you know, you know, crawling through the mud for, for many minutes, hours, days, you know, with a support system, with not. So, um, you know, it's mm-hmm. my, my intention and objective of the podcast today was really to, to get to the to core of you. Um, and, and mate, thank you so much for, for sharing that with me. Um, uh, what I'd like to kind of do from here is kind of swing it back to your, to your podcast. Um, and, 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 and what, based on now that we know your history and now that you've had a, a huge amount of guests, you're over a hundred guests now, right? On the podcast. Uh, now it's 116. 116. And that, by, the end, by the end of this week, it should be about, well, depending on when this podcast episode goes up, it might excel. Um, but you know, over 120, 130. Wow. So wow. more to come. That's awesome, mate. That's awesome. Any teasers you can give us for, for give upcoming guests? Um, I don't, oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I want to keep it, I want to keep it like as a surprise, as a, a surprise yeah. for a lot of people, but yeah, I will say that they're, they're high profile. Nice. I'm yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And also thanks for your tips along the way. Uh, behind the scenes, Jay's been giving me some tips in terms of um, the fact that he's a podcast producer. He doesn't just um, work on this podcast. He works on um, a, another podcast. Is that right? That's right. Yes. Um, so like the technical support has been very helpful for me in terms of what, 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 like I've got all the gear, no idea, but I think it's working okay so far. Uh, I'm waiting for the first technical mishap to happen, but let's not uh, manifest something that's uh, not there. Um, that's, that's good, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, buddy, what, what, like what's the big goal for the story box? Like wh- where do you want it to go? What's, what's the, what's the plan? You know, the other day I was thinking about this thing this very idea actually. And I've been through, you know, trying to build your own personal brand and trying to build the story box as well. Plus not many people know this. I'm actually studying a double degree in uni as well. So um, I'm extremely busy, you know, but I'm always, um, I think I sometimes I overextend and take on too many things, but for the goal of the story box, it's always been and forever will be, how can I reach as many people as I possibly can? Yeah and change, change their lives for the better so they can feel inspired, so they can move on and do things that are incredible. You know, I still remember when you called me up and you said, hey, Jay, um, you inspired me, mate. I'm thinking like starting my own podcast. But then I said to you, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm like, who am I to say that you can't can't do it? You know, that's, that's not part of me. It's never... It, I guess for me, like a couple of years ago, I would have said, no, 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 it's mine. Leave it alone. 
now yeah, I'm yeah. sort of changed and it I have to I had to learn that jealousy is not the way. See, and that's a sorry to get, stop you there, but that's a level of emotional intelligence that someone that a, a 23 year old shouldn't have yet, which is really interesting <laughs> to pinpoint. Because I was calling uh, you to say, mate, I'm starting a podcast. You inspired me to do this. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And then secondly, and not only do you say, it's not my position to like, go ahead. And the second one is I, I, I think I text or rang you and said, I want to get this guest on, but I know you may have already reached out to them. Can I have them on? You're like, I'm not in control of your guests. So like, it's, uh, <laughs> it just says a lot about your character, Jay. And sorry to interrupt you there, mate. The number one rule of podcast, don't interrupt. <laughs> but- no, 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 man. It's, it's honestly, it's all good. Like I, like I said, I don't own people yeah. and you know, it's, I want to be able to bring on guests, you know, it's hard reaching out to people because you never know if they're going to say yes or no. Yeah. But the worst thing they can say to you is no, that's it. You know, you just keep them on, on the back burner for later on. Yeah. And once your audience does grow and once it does reach a, a place where people actually feel like, okay, this has got some value, this has got some legs to it, then maybe I should join Yeah. and maybe I should be part of it. You know, but I'm always appreciative of every single person like yourself, Mick, that takes the time to actually come on and share. Yeah. Because without your story, without their story, the story box wouldn't be. And that's that's what I've realized is being in this place of sheer gratitude um, every single day that I get to do this and I get to speak to amazing people. I get to ask them questions and some of the things that they say in line with my beliefs and some of the things that they say don't, but yeah. I'm allowing them to come on and, and share that and to be them because I don't like fake people. Honestly, mm. it's like the worst thing you, you see right through them. And yeah. I don't know if you've noticed yet, but if you've ever heard a podcast where you just sense that this person is faking it, there's no value to that whatsoever. I mean, you might be able to yeah. confuse or you get that I cringe guess, trick. sometimes, that cringy feeling like, oh. Yeah. It, it crawls up your, your skin because you can tell that this person is not authentic. And yeah. for me, I want my integrity and my authenticity is one of the things that I value highly above all else. And I'll tell this to so many people, yeah. man. Like, it, if you're, you can fool you, you can fool other people, but the one person you can't fool is yourself. You know, mm. it, it's cliche, but it's true, and that's mm. the reason why it's cliche is because it is so true that people try to ignore it, mm. and you can't you can't run from it. You can run as so far as before you trip and you fall, mm. and when you fall, it hurts, and it hurts a lot. So before you trip and before you fall, stop and change. Because the moment you, you do decide to change and the moment you do realize that, hey, I'm not being authentic here. I mean, it's happened to me on several occasions in my life where I've had to stop and it's either been an event or an experience that has sort of redirected me to it. But then again, man, like it, it brings you to a place of once again, just being grateful for who you are, where you've come from and what you're able to achieve. So you did so that for me though. That, you, did, you did that for me, buddy, because if I was to choose a category of when I was a guest on yours, my category for the podcast would have been entrepreneur, business, whatever, marketing. And it ended up being completely about, for me, was mental health. 
because you, your platform and how you talk had me bring out the real me and share me. And that, that's, that's, you know, such a, such a, um, I didn't expect it. Like you, you actually caught me off guard. Um, and I'm grateful for it, mate. I'm grateful for it. Those are some of the best podcasts in my opinion. Yeah. It's yes, I have like sometimes I've had it, uh, conversations with people where it's like drawing blood from a stone. It's, it's hard Yeah, where they don't, but that's them. And you got to appreciate them for being them and don't criticize or judge them for being them. Uh, yeah. That's the worst part. You know, like when you hear them on, on a podcast and they're not sharing as much as you think they can share. It's because like someone told it, said it to me, uh, I think it might've been you actually. It's like speed dating, right? Yeah. That, yeah, it's like you gotta you gotta be quick and you gotta get to know this person within a short space of time. So it's like, how can I bring as much value within this short period of time? And that's the that's the uh, that's the where it lies is that's the um, the important factor. Your advice is, to me was, mate, we're just having a casual chat. That's what you said to me on the, when I was, we're in the DM sliding in. Um, <laughs> speaking of, um, uh, a guest that you've had, I've got to say, like, obviously this is, this is a, a going to be a hospitality based co- podcast. I, I, I'm not putting you in any category today. I just wanted to, you know, give you the respect of having you on. Um, but you've actually had a lot of hospitality guests on your podcast, uh, particularly here in Sydney, which, um, you know, we're all very grateful for from, you know, you've got, you've had foodies to like some of the veterans like Isaac uh, from Isaac Eats A Lot. Yep. You've had, you know, venue owners, content creators, uh, different brands. Um, I guess like with the, with the, I guess, limited time we have left and the amazing story you've shared with us, who knows, maybe there might be a part two, Um uh, I guess I, I, I'd love for them to get some value from uh, besides your backstory, but in, in the hospitality scene, those you've spoken to and those lessons you've heard from them with today's current climate. Cause like when we first spoke on your podcast, ISO just started. So people were just mm-hmm. like uh, closing, doing takeaway, doing delivery or whatever the hospital scene was having to deal with at that time. Um, with this current climate right now, is there any advice speaking to all those people that you could give to anyone in hospitality businesses right now? It's not my my advice that I could give because I'm not really in the hospitality industry, but I do yeah. appreciate them a lot. And I've been trying to support uh, as best I can, you know, like with my finances or, mm. you know, just sending a message here and there to people saying, hey, you, you've got this, you know, like I appreciate you. People, people take that for granted, you know, sometimes it's like they feel like they're in this massive ocean and, and no one's swimming around them to support them or, or they feel like they're drowning in the ocean. Um, sometimes you just got to you, you gotta take yourself off your, your own pedestal for a moment and then just yeah. reach out and don't be afraid to reach out to them and say, hey, do you need any help? What can I do? Yeah. Um, and I think for me, being able to meet these incredible people, they're resilient as heck, man. Resilience. Like, yeah. They are they are the grinders. They are the people that, you know, if we didn't have the foodie industry, if we didn't have like the hospitality industry, I should say, then none of us would be able to enjoy the amazing food, the amazing experiences that many people are able to share. Yeah. I mean, some of my best experiences have been going out and actually going to different restaurants and you know, experiencing all these new, new tastes and new environments. And that for me, man, is special. 
And, you know, what I've loved being able to see is some of my friends being able to collaborate with some of my other friends Mm. and bring about something that is unique and inspired and seeing them go through this challenge, you know, it's just encouraging for myself. Um, it's, it's a true testament to their actual ability that they're people of, of their word, you know? And I think like Christine from, from peanut butter bar as well. I mean, she started her second peanut butter bar during this period of time. And, you know, like that, that is honestly insane. It's incredible to see that. Are you saying she opened during isolation? Another one. She opened another one, man, in Reevesby. So for those of you that are listening and, and live around Reevesby, there's another peanut butter bar around there. So she, she's honestly incredible. She just does not stop. And that's what I love the most about her. She just does not give up. Wow. And having this mindset of not giving up despite the challenges. And I kid you not, man, it's hard. Yeah. Seriously. Like if you, if you don't think that it's hard, you're kidding yourself. Oh, but, my clients have my, like the hungry diner PR and marketing clients have been. The, the, I, I have horror stories. I have pivoting stories. I've got. It's 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 been very 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 difficult and a, and, a, and a very weird time to to pivot business to change a menu and and speaking of peanut butter as well, check out Jay's episode um, where he actually speaks to her and goes through her story. It's really inspiring. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, like I absolutely love that episode. I listened to your episode with the commando this morning. So, um, yes. he's definitely, Steve. yeah, man. So, see, commander Steve, he's got such a, um, such a manly voice. Um, he does man. something I wish I had, but you know, <laughs> buddy, but, um, being, um, being mindful of your time, uh, and trying to keep this, um, within the, the, the hour time limit. Um, I want to thank you for your time. I'm going to run you through a few, a few little questions right now, just to kind of finish off. See if I can make this work. Right, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna try one of my uh, on the road on the road settings. See if we can get this. Uh... Okay, this is the question time music. Okay, it's, it's almost like uh, Ocean's Eleven. You getting that vibe? Yeah. All right, buddy. So let's ask you some questions right now. Um, okay. Do a few hospitality ones. Favorite favorite local Sydney venue right now. Uh, I would have to say Sahara because it's down the road from my house and the food there is absolutely incredible. Go if to I could go order. out and any further. Yeah. I'd probably go uh, butter, peanut butter bar. You know, there's lots of them. <laughs> nice. Like that. Um, favorite uh, foodie or food blogger to follow or support or someone that you like their, their content, their feed? Oh, that's a hard one, man. Uh, you know, Hungry Diner, you've got uh, Isaac. I mean, he kills me with some of the things that he posts. Yeah. It's hard. Um, some of the creative ones, you've got Jimmy, obviously. Yeah, um, Jimmy Wong Eats. Yeah, Jimmy Wong. Uh, Rita, I love Rita's Lick stuff. Lick your phone. Lick your phone. It kills me, man. Like, it's tough, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, look. Um, Favorite book? One of your favorite books? I don't want to say of all time, but one of your favorite books? Oh, that's a good one, man. I got a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, um, I'd say okay, so two of them. Firstly, the Bible, and secondly, I would have to say, uh, um, excellent. Say that one again, buddy. Just had a cut out there. 
So you got okay. So the first one is the Bible, and the second one is Horse Shorts Excellence Wins. Excellence Wins. Okay, I've got to I've got to listen to the. Oh wait, wait, has that episode already come out? I uh, not yet. No, it's coming. All right, excited. Okay, well look, um, we'll take off that cheesy Vegas music. I'm playing around with my new, <laughs> my new tools, and just to turn it up on the last question on the Hungry Dinosaur, we're going to put on some sexy music. And we're going to ask you for your death row meal. No limitation to products, to time or money. If Jake could have his death row meal in front of him right now, what are we cooking, buddy? I would splurge, mate. So I am a huge pizza, donuts, uh, cookies and cream, yeah. cookie dough. You know, I, I would I would literally eat anything unhealthy on the face of the earth if I had it was my last meal. Good so, man. That's what I would go for. Jay, you've been a pleasure to have on the podcast. Um, how do people follow you? How do they find you? Where can they contact you? So I'm available uh, on Instagram, uh, DJ underscore director J, and then obviously the Storybox podcast as well. So you can check those out. You can message me as well. Um, I'm usually very active. So, um, you, or you can email me as well, the Storybox podcast, gmail.com. And yeah, really appreciate being on here, Mick. Thank you so much for having me as, as the first guest. I've enjoyed my time here and um, yeah, loved it. Likewise, buddy. We did it. Episode one. I'm, uh, I'm just going to uh, thank you all for listening. Um, I'm just going to uh, say goodbye to my, my, uh, my guy, Jay. And uh, yeah, looking forward. I'm, I'm going to get this out literally as recordly fast as possible. So thank you so much, Jay. Wow, we did it. Episode one is done. I am so grateful and excited to get the first podcast episode out of the way with Jay Phantom. If you did like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you can, share the love and leave a review. If you have any feedback on the actual episode itself in terms of structure, audio, let me know. I'm new to this game and I'm completely feedback fit. I want to thank you all for the support. I'm excited for the next episode of The Hungry Diner Show. Uh, feel free to follow me on my Instagram page, which is at hungry underscore diner. And also the website, which is my PR and marketing firm, www.hungrydiner.com.au. I appreciate the love and support. Keep the good vibes going. Thank you all so much. See you on the next episode.